1: another edition of through the smoke miami hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24 7 sports network david lake joined as always by gabby burrutia and gabby in this podcast want to provide a little bit of a better analysis after re-watching the north carolina game north carolina 27 miami 24 um Tough loss. I think there was some bad and good to take from it. Uh, I'm a guy that likes to keep it positive in general. So I do think there was plenty of good uh, when you go back and watch the totality of the entire game. Uh, but there's certainly some areas to clean up. And so I just want to have a quick little 30-ish minute conversation about this game after re-watching it. And Gabby, let's just start with the offense. Um, You know, this was a big point of conversation during the bye week coming off of a Middle Tennessee State game in which Tyler Van Dyke looked bad, looked uncomfortable. Uh, The offense had sputtered as well uh, in the previous games. Uh, Hadn't had a clean performance offensively. Um, and, and I don't think necessarily you can say that about the North Carolina game either, but in terms of the passing game, yeah. it was a pretty clean performance. And I just want to start here. I think Josh Gaddis, there's still plenty to criticize him on, like any play caller, right? Nobody calls a perfect game. But I do think he deserves credit for making the necessary adjustments during the bye week. He didn't come out and show stubbornness by running the same system, the same formations that we saw against Middle. You know the first four games, uh, he threw the bunch of formations in the trash like we had hoped. There was more spread formations with wider splits on a down to down basis. I feel like he simplified the reads for Tyler as well. So I do think Josh Gaddis. Deserves some credit for um, tweaking his offense coming off the bye week. I think, I don't think that can be just brushed aside. I think that's a very good sign.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's huge. Um, I mean, I think, again, we kind of wanted to see, I mean, just with the opportunity of the bye week to, you know, kind of give him that chance and, you know, just to be able to show something different, to show that he's not going to be, again, he kind of, you know, dismiss the stubbornness that he was going to be, he he was going to kind of force feed this, this, you know, style of offense that clearly wasn't working. So yeah, again, it it wasn't perfect, but I do think he put Tyler Van Dyke in position to, to be successful, kind of got rolling. I feel like with that Jalen Knight and wheel where he kind of dumped it over the, the head of a, you know, a, of the North Carolina linebacker, maybe if he puts that a little bit more in stride, it's probably one of those, you know, long touchdowns that we saw him connect on a a couple times last year, but it was a great throw. And I feel like that was kind of like the confidence, the confidence throw for him that kind of got him rolling. So um, I think, you know, once they opened it back up, yeah, we kind of saw a lot of the, you know, the passing success that they had. It felt very 2021 ish where it's just like, I mean, this team could definitely spin the ball. But the running was just like, okay, why can't we get the push? But I mean, overall, I mean, kind of tip of the cap to Josh Gaddis for for kind of adjusting. And, uh, you know, really, honestly, it seems like just kind of playing to this team's strengths. And, you know, I do think he put them in position to potentially win the game. Um, Just, you know, couldn't get it done. But yeah, offense, uh, you know, definitely feel encouraged moving forward. If this is going to be a version of what it looks like. Um, and I think that's kind of what's upsetting too right it feels like you know they kind sure. of did the things that maybe they needed to do on offense to win this game um uh, you know just, just just didn't do it and I think that's why maybe it stung at least personally for me at the end maybe I think more than middle Tennessee uh maybe even more than uh and Am I feel like this one was just like man this game was just like it, it felt right there like within reach and they just kind of let it slip away and um so yeah, it was definitely frustrating. The result was frustrating, but you know, in high you know, kind of 24 hours, 48 hours out, I do feel good about what the offense could potentially be moving forward if they're able to just, you know, clean up some some things that they need to obviously, you know, fix.
1: Yeah, so you're right, I think, in terms of the point in which Tyler really started to get on track because early on in the game, you know, Miami's receivers, frankly, helped Tyler out. Now he put the ball on them pretty well. But there was still plenty of catches early in the game that had to be made away from the pass catchers bodies. Um, So he came out, it it felt like he came out still kind of trying to aim too much rather than just letting it rip to his receivers. And as the game progressed, that confidence started building and he was letting it rip. And we really did see the Tyler of last year, I feel like from the second quarter on now, his first quarter stats were still fine. Um, he was still, uh, you know, having plenty of success in terms of catches. Um, but the ball placement I feel like was on point from the second quarter on. Um, and and again, like you could see, you look at you, you really dig into the advanced stats from this game. And it's clear that Tyler was just more comfortable in this offense. Uh, He connected on three of his six deep shots. Those plays went for 88 yards and a touchdown. Against Middle Tennessee State and Texas A&M, he was a a combined zero for six on his deep shot attempts in those games. Um, Against North Carolina, he got the ball out much quicker, got the ball out on average 2.62 seconds, which is the fastest he's gotten the ball out in a game he'd played and an entire game he played this year against Texas A&M, it was 2.74, Southern Miss 2.92, uh Bethune 2.89. So really, I mean, the, the kind of the mark in terms of like whether or not you're getting the ball out fairly quickly is uh two and a half seconds. So Tyler on the game was 2.62. So he was like right on that bubble of getting the ball out pretty quick for the entire game. And I will say this when Tyler, this is another example of Tyler just feeling more comfortable in this offense. When Tyler was kept clean, he was elite. Um, So when there wasn't much pressure, when the offensive line did its job of blocking it up in the passing game, he went 36 of 43. And that includes three drops for 434 yards with one touchdown. And in those looks, he got the ball out in 2.43 seconds. So you know, most quarterbacks, of course, are going to be more productive when they aren't dealing with pressure, but still those numbers, like it's typically even not that elite when, when quarterbacks have time and, uh, Tyler was just on point. Let, let's talk about the receivers though. Cause I do feel like that's another reason why, uh, the passing game was clicking. I think, I think two things are going on there, Gabby. And I wonder if you agree. I think, number one, those guys just played better for whatever reason. They played with more confidence. Maybe it is the this offense helps the receiver group, uh, from a simplified point of view, you know, it simplifies things for the receivers and they can go out and play faster and execute more confidently. And then number two, I do feel like, and they kept hammering this home, on the TV broadcast. And I think there's something to it. I think too, Tyler just finally went all in and put full amount of trust on these receivers and just said, okay, I'm going to just let it rip to them, and uh, trust them to go make the plays that I give them opportunities to make. To me, those are the two biggest reasons why I think the receiver group stepped up on Saturday.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely think there's something to that. I mean, the 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 trust factor, I feel like, was something that's that's been big. I do think that there was just a sense of comfort of just kind of, you know, playing in a playing a style that maybe he was more, yeah, I mean, maybe just fits him better. So, yeah, I mean, I do think that there was maybe a sense of trust. I also think there's kind of just like a maybe a sense of urgency too, where like this needs to work, like you know, like this like today needs to go well. And not like in a way that where you're putting all this like pressure on yourself and you're kind of like, oh, if this doesn't work, like I'm going to get benched, like that type of stuff, just kind of like, you know, that competitive you know, I think Mario Cristobal kind of used the word like the competitive like resiliency, you know, just kind of like, you sure. know, this is my team. Like I want like I need to make sure that this that it's known that this is my team. And of course, you know, it was a Tyler Van Dyke that we've seen plenty of in the past. Um, so and then the rec- the receivers obviously stepping up, making plays. I do think the offense opens things up for for them. I do think it was kind of drawn up a little better where some of these guys were open. I also think some guys just made plays like. I mean, I'll throw I'll throw Will Mallory into this conversation. Yeah. I mean, he's he bailed out, you know, Tyler Van Dyke a time or two. Um, I think on the drive that they ended up scoring, I think I, I'm not sure. If, I, I guess it was fourth and two. Um, Tyler Van Dyke throws it behind him, completely throws yep. it behind him. Uh, he kind of spins around, catches it behind his body, um, you know, and, and runs it. And you know, if if that's a like that's a bad throw, Miami doesn't score. The score looks much different. Um, so I think these guys definitely helped him out too. Uh, Breshard smith made a really good play once i think that the ball was thrown behind him as well um so i mean a few of these guys i feel like it's a it's a good combination of them stepping up um you know the offense maybe being a little more favorable for that and then tyler van dyke just kind of having you know that you know just again maybe like what you're kind of alluding to like that all that that buy-in that just like all right like these are my guys i'm rolling with it let's make something happen
1: will mallory frank Latson. I would say Henry Parrish too, Brashard Smith. Yeah. I would say Mike Redding, Colby young. They all had their best receiving games of the year. I think by far. Um, and you're right. Will Mallory stepped up. This was the will Mallory we expected to see all season that 31 pat, that 31 yard pass was like NFL type stuff Mm -hmm. from both Tyler on the throw. Yeah. And will with the, uh, the acrobatic catch um so that was encouraging to see hopefully they can build on that moving forward um and yeah i'll I'll say this too like his numbers in terms of like a yards per catch um average won't blow you away but i'm encouraged that tyler and frank latson are starting to build on something frank was targeted eight times he caught all eight Of those targets for 67 yards um when you go back and watch the game it does seem like most of the times uh they had tony grimes who is their best corner shadowing him or lined up across from frank and most of those times they were playing off coverage against frank and so what i liked about the way tyler and frank were connecting is you could just tell um they were both reading like, okay, North Carolina is going to play off. I'm going to break the yard. I'm going to break the route off at, you know, five, six, seven yards. And you just bang it in there. And they did that time it again, they did have one, um, little shot into the end zone. I think it didn't count due to a penalty. Um, but it was right there. It was more so like, it was good coverage by Tony. Um, kind of breaking it up. Yeah, he broke it up. But Frank was right there, ready to catch it. And again, I don't think the play counted because of a penalty anyways, but um I think there's something building there. And then I know Colby Young impressed you and I agree. Like there's something there. I don't know. I'm curious what this blossoms into for Colby because to me he's still not the fastest guy but if you're 6'5 and 215 like he is and the movement skills are good you know you can still do plenty of damage at the college level with those skills
0: yeah and I think that's like my thing right it's like I don't know if he's ever going to be like you know wide receiver one or anything like that or you know, walking across the NFL draft stage. Uh, but like you know, he, again, he's he's six five. He moved well. Uh, I mean, he made like you know a, a tough catch. Like how many how many guys on that roster can can kind of fully extend like that? that uh, right. you know, get that get you know keep that toe down to you know you know move the sticks in that situation, and then kind of very next play go up and you know kind of beat ground know, yeah, play. yeah beat tony grimes on on a jump ball like that i mean i just don't think that there's anything like that on this roster right i mean we were talking earlier you know i guess in the off season like we, i mean i guess before frank ladson got here there was no like six foot two 200 pound plus receivers right. on this roster like give me six five 215 and even if it's just a red zone threat where he's a guy that you can kind of just you know throw it up to him in the end zone, or at least be a guy that will draw the attention of defenses in the red zone because of that threat. He, I mean, to me that provides value. And so, I mean, just kind of watching him do it, I mean, I I think he's someone that you know. Again, not saying he leads the team in 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 snaps or anything like that, or leads the receivers in snaps. But I think he's someone you got to throw into the field, especially throw out yeah. the field, especially when the field starts getting shorter. We talked we talked. I mean, you mentioned on the podcast how well right. they are kind of like between the twenties, but inside that twenty, from like the 30, 30 yards in, I mean, put Colby Young on the field, man. He's a he's a mismatch. Um, you know, he's obviously a guy that can make the play. I mean, he showed that he can make the play. Um, he's obviously a young guy. He, I mean, he had really good numbers at the ju- at the junior college level. I kind of want to just see more of him. Not not that I want him to yes. be the guy, but I do think seeing him field uh, more is worth it.
1: Yeah. I agree. And, and, you know, the most impressive thing about that touchdown, uh, you know, Tony Grimes was impressed man and, uh-huh. on that, and uh, Colby – got off that press, man, he stacked Tony Grimes. And once a six, five receiver stacks a six foot corner, if the quarterback puts it where it needs to be, it's game over. So that is highly encouraging. I also want to want to highlight Jaleel Skinner. And yes, that play at the end where he couldn't quite get out of bounds was frustrating, but man, he's going to be good. Jaleel, like the way he moves his subtle, Movements after he catches the ball and and he can make the first defender miss, the way he can wiggle at the top of his routes to get open. He's going to be really really good down the road, um, and I like that they're throwing him out there, you know, with Arroyo out now, giving Jaleel opportunities. He he finished the game three catches forty yards, um, and so you know I don't know if his role will necessarily grow this year from that. Um, but you can just see like he is oozing with talent. And uh, I think his development's going to be exciting to watch. Um, offensive line slash run game. You know, I don't know where to point the blame more mm-hmm. up to the offensive line, more to the running backs. I think both of those units didn't play well. I think the run blocking was poor. I think also the offense, sorry, the running backs maybe made some bad reads with their tracks on some runs. Also, too, like I do think there's something to be said for running backs need to be able to make guys miss at times. Sometimes yeah. you got to go create your own yards. And Henry Parish and Jalen Knighton did not force a miss tackle the entire game. Um and yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know what to make of Jalen Knighton. He's, he, to me, he's frustrating because you see the explosiveness, the special plays he can generate. I mean, we saw it against North Carolina with that 40 yeah. yard pass, right? On the wheel. But then he also drops kind of a key. I forget what down it was but he dropped a, a nice er, yeah a wide open pass near mm-hmm. the sticks and of course the fumble just an inexcusable fumble um you know he he essentially breaks the tackle yeah on the fumble but he fumbles the ball and you know in hindsight of looking back at that game that was a huge sequence because yeah. Miami was setting up to get points somehow whether that's a field goal or a touchdown on that drive in the fourth quarter. Um, but Gabby, I guess just what are your thoughts on the run game? I'm puzzled by it because, you know, I do think like against Texas A&M the run game was beautiful. It was in sync guards were pulling running backs were taking the right tracks. The patience was there. The vision was there. The physicality from the offensive line was there. Um, But these last two games, they've kind of, like you said earlier, they kind of reverted back to what we saw last year in the run game, which was a group that couldn't get it done at all in the short yardage and in the red zone. And unfortunately, that was one of the difference makers in this North Carolina game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really frustrating because because again, you kind of keep looking back at that Texas A and M game, and it looked like like this was like a big, a potentially big time offensive line. It's like, dude, these guys could mow some people down. Um, you know the way they kind of handled that Texas A and M front. I mean, it, it it was super impressive. Um, again, I don't know if it was kind of maybe like the scheme change that you know maybe had them maybe more. I don't know. Lo- I don't know if it was lost or it was just maybe a, just a different style. I, I mean. Again, it, it looked so. It looked the like the, the, the offense in general looked so similar to 2021 that you know the the running game being the way it was was just like okay. I guess this is just like you know if this is what you want, this is what you this is what you're gonna get. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that you know maybe it's set up in a way where like these guys are you know the strongest run blocking team. We kind of knew that coming into it. That was kind of the knock on them. La- I mean last year, I mean the the running blocking was was terrible. But yeah, I mean I think there's definitely something to like as a running back. And you kind of watch it all over the country. Like you see running backs that are making guys miss. I mean, it just didn't feel like Henry Parrish or Jalen Knighton were really making guys miss. I mean, one of the more promising runs of the game was going to be that Jalen Knighton, uh, you know, the 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 one yeah. that he fumbled because it's fourth and, you know, it's a short yardage situation. I think it was fourth and, I think it was fourth and two or something like that or, or third and two. And,
1: uh, you know, he yeah, just. I think it was fourth and one or third.
0: Yeah, it was, and one. It was yeah, yeah, it was one of those. I mean, three, he got it. Was, it, was, it. He got it. And, and, and more, I mean, he might, maybe he got tripped up a little bit and, you know, maybe it would have been a, you know, five, six yard gain, but I mean, you won a short yardage situation and then you kind of just give it up. So, I mean, I think there's blame to be had on both sides. I'm, I'm curious what the response is going to be from, from Mario Cristobal just because that's obviously his baby as to why, uh you know, the offensive line just couldn't really get any push up front and then You know, because it feels like that's something that I think that's something we were hoping that would be better at this stage. But again, it it looks so much like 2021 where I'm just like, I don't know if these guys are maybe just reverting back to, you know, some habits that they had because of the system and because of what they were trying to do on offense or if they were just kind of getting beat down the whole time. I mean, it looked like they were just getting dominated really in the in the trenches. So I feel like whenever. Uh
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it the first and goal at the two I mean that's where the short yardage was awful and to me it's just like I think it comes down to technique more than anything I think they need you know I think short yardage run blocking is about technique more than it is just being bigger and stronger than your opponent and uh mauling them but um Yeah, I I think it can get cleaned up. I think Mario Cristobal will find a way to clean this up with Alex Mirabal, of course. Um, But what's the ceiling of this run blocking moving forward? You know, I I do think it's capped. I don't think it's... I don't think, you know... I think the Texas A&M game had us feel promising that this could be a really good run blocking offensive line. And, you know, I think it can still be above average whereas last year it was below average um but yeah it is troubling that run game needs to be much better that's one of the reasons why north carolina won the game because north carolina made miami one-dimensional miami's defense couldn't quite make north carolina one-dimensional uh during the course of the game uh i will say this like miami's offensive line did get banged up during the game of course with uh, Ja'Kai Clark and Justice Oluwashone going down on back-to-back plays. It was a tough game for Logan Sagapolo in terms of pass pro North Carolina defensive coordinator, Gene Chizik kind of made the right calls and and sent all his pressures and blitzes at Sagapolo. And he struggled with it allowing five pressures in the game. I thought Jonathan, Jonathan Dennis was all right. Um, you could see a drop-off from Ja'Kai Clark. Um, So that'll be something to monitor uh, this week in terms of the updates on their statuses for uh, Virginia Tech. Moving over to defense, uh, again, I think we we got to highlight the adjustments. And I think over the course of the game, it deserves praise for the adjustments Kevin Steele made. Absolutely. Um, You know, he clearly went to more zone looks, matchup zone looks. And again, the totality of the game, over the course of the game, uh, the defense was improved. Uh, The first half, you know, there was some coverage busts, mainly Cam Kitchens being the culprit of them, Uh, you know, not staying back in cover two when he needed to, allowing a 74-yard explosive and then a 50-plus-yard deep post that got behind him. It was clear after halftime, they talked to Cam about what he needed to do, stayed back got a pick in the second half, Um, but you could tell just in general, first half to second half, Miami's defense was much better. In the first half, Miami's defense allowed 21 points, of course, and nine yards per play. In the second half, Miami's defense allowed six points and four yards per play. So, you know, there are some encouraging signs defensively. You got to do it over the course of a whole game. And you gotta be better about about communication on the back end if you're gonna play more zones.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I, I thought the defensive, again, the the adjustments I thought were were strong. Um, I mean, just kind of watching back, I mean, that first explosive play, the I guess the 74 yarder. I mean, I'm not really sure what what Cam Kitchens is doing there. Um, his eyes were kind of like in the backfield or on a hook or whatever. And there wasn't even play action. Like it was just drop back pass. He's in cover two. Tyreek Stevenson lets his guy run right past him. Cause you know, you're assuming cam kitchens is there behind you um, and just, just completely lost it. So, and then, I mean, it's clear the way that they adjusted throughout the course of the game. I mean, allowing six points in the second half is a really, really big deal. I do think like schematically it was, it, it was, it was drawn up. Well, I felt like the intention of it, the way it was kind of, you know, intended to be, was was strong and i think it was i think it was honestly kind of you know tip my cap to kevin Steele, tip my cap to josh gaddis i think both of them kind of you know made those made the moves and you know they are i mean the two you know coaches that drew obviously a lot of money and all that stuff and you know i think you kind of saw why they were you know they're they're so highly respected not so especially i think kevin Steele um got they got to drake may uh you know he's not a guy that gets sacked a ton i mean five sacks is a is a yeah. season high nine tackles for loss. Um, You know, I think they made things un, uh, you know, uncomfortable in the pocket, especially there in the second half. I think he was definitely frustrated at one point where the, they just weren't doing things that they were supposed to do. I think they got lucky a couple times. Like, I think he kind of like threw one over the tight end one time that just kind of landed right in. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think it was Josh Downs. I think it was Antoine Green just landed right into his hands. Uh, He had yeah. the kind of like defender at his foot that he just kind of threw it up in the air that just, you know, Josh, game, Josh, yeah, Josh, Ga- Josh Downs, you know, went up and got it. Yeah. It's a big time play, but you know, I feel like they did a good job of creating that pressure, you know, like where they were able to kind of get to him. And if Drake may wasn't Drake may, I think the results of both of those plays are probably a little bit different. Sure. Um, So I think I'm encouraged about the way that they're just kind of get that they were kind of getting after it um, beating their guys. So uh yeah, you. I mean, I, I thought that it was a strong defensive performance for the most part outside of the, You know the busted coverages that obviously resulted in, you know, I'm not sure if they scored on the post. They ended up scoring on the post. I can't remember now.
1: Yes, they went up fourteen zero on that drive. So, yeah, I I mean, mean, look,
0: potentially two touchdowns that you kind of handed them on busted coverage.
1: Yep, yep. I mean, of course, everyone knows the probability of you scoring goes way up when you hit an explosive play, especially. A 50-yard explosive yeah. play, and then of course they scored on the other explosive. So you've got to limit those. I think to you know, look, I understand the fan base. Every every fan base hates zone defense. Um, you know, we all want to see man coverage, lockdown cornerback play, all that stuff. But unfortunately, you have to play to what your personnel can execute, and I think we all know that this personnel is probably best in zone coverages. And so moving forward, you just have to be able to communicate. The the guys on the back end, safeties and corners, got to be on the same page, which they were in the second half, and, and it showed. Um, defensive line, you know, you touched on it, Gabby. I think those guys played well. Um, Daryl Jackson and Leonard Taylor, I feel like, are – taking steps to be a a pretty good duo there on the inside, particularly Jackson. Like he just makes his presence felt and he's just, he's fun to watch, you know, as a pass rusher because he just bull rushes guys Mm -hmm. and he can just move guys back into the quarterback's face. And like he was at times, he was manhandling Corey Gaynor, um, Leonard Taylor with his quickness showed, jared harrison hunt had some good pressures you mentioned mesador i thought harvey played well yeah Agude got one Agude, Nigel kelly flashed too so you know and then the backups are all good for what they do for you know 10 to 15 snaps the guys that come in and give those guys a, a breather so i think the defensive line once again showed they're the strength of the team they need to continue that level of play moving forward and again you mentioned it like Drake may has that special, um, sense and pocket presence to avoid pressures. And he's pretty athletic to also spit out and, uh, either rush for yards or, um, throw on the run. So, you know, you're not going to see caliber quarterback like that against Virginia tech. If this defensive line continues to play at this level, they're going to, they're going to really eat moving forward. yeah. Uh, Linebacker play. My take on it is I think in the fourth quarter, once it turned into kind of a downhill game. So I, I do think, you know, defensively Miami did their job, but I do think there, there was a bit of an element of Mac Brown getting conservative and wanting to just sit on the lead offensively. Uh, you know, especially after Drake May came out and kind of threw a weird interception uh, on their first drive in the second yeah. half. Um, and so in the, in the third quarter, late in the third, in the fourth, it kind of just turned into a downhill type of game defensively. And I thought Corey flag really did a good job, yeah. uh, at that stage of the game as a blitzer, as a, as a tackle for loss guy. Yeah. But in the first half it was rough, you know, and we know this about Corey, it's tough playing in space and you know, I feel like at times he was lost in coverage with where he needed to be on his drops. Uh, he was targeted four times in coverage, allowed four receptions for 57 yards. So, you know, there, I, I do feel like overall he played pretty well. Um, he made some key plays there in the fourth quarter. But there's still elements of his game that are frustrating. There's nothing you can do about it because he yeah. is what he is. I but. was going to say,
0: like, he, I feel like he's just pretty limited, like, Until you upgrade the linebacker room. I mean, that's kind of what you got, you know, he, he like, I mean, he made he did make a couple big plays, I think on one of those uh, third downs where it was just kind of like defense needed to get off the field. You know, I think he was kind of like spying and, you know, he got, he got Drake may on the ground. I mean, he can, I mean, I feel like he, he can do those types of things, but I feel like overall in coverage, he's not very long. He's not very tall. I feel like you know he's definitely a guy that has the
1: awareness. Either yeah, like, the to spatial, spatial where awareness.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that you know limit Corey Flag in terms of what he can do. And again, that's where recruiting comes in. That's where yeah. you know three linebacker commits and a couple more that they're still recruiting come in. I think they know that they need to upgrade that room significantly. And uh, you know, I think that that's just who Corey Flagg is, you know, he'll give you, he'll show you some flashes, but he's not going to be that, you know, you know, all changing linebacker
1: agreed. I think, you know, defensively I would argue that on the D line. And I would, I would say this even too about the secondary, although there are some question marks in this regard in the secondary, but I think those two position groups, Can compete from a physical standpoint, like they have enough physical talent, um, to get the job done against this ACC slate coming up. Um, it's just you know, specifically, you know, talking about the DB group, there's just mental breakdowns that that gets those guys out of positions, and uh, that's where their breakdowns are. I feel like linebacker, it's different though. I, I feel like that's the position group where there are some physical limitations and at times they have some mental breakdowns. Yeah. So you're right. Happens that has to be improved in recruiting. Keontre Smith. He's tough on a down to down basis. I mean, his, his pick was big. That was a yeah. big play. Huge. So you can't overlook that, but on a down to down basis, my dude, I mean, and again, this is just physical limitations, You got to tackle better. Uh, You know, five missed tackles in the game. His missed tackle percentage was 83.3%. It was, it's tough. And so, you know, I don't know. You got to find some answers there at weak side. They're trying to get Wesley in the game more, I think. For sure. But, and I think he got into the game early. Yeah, he got into the game pretty early. I think he's doing fine, and, you know, we'll see. Hopefully they they continue to throw more snaps his way. Yeah, Defensive back, you know, we talked about the communication. That needs to improve. Um, my hot take there, you know, I think James Williams had a solid game, uh, which was good to see because he had a tough showing against Middle Tennessee State, I thought. Um, I thought DJ Ivy did his job. He wasn't yep. really tested, mm-hmm. but tackled well when things came his way for the most part um here's my hot take so i've kind of been advocating for daryl porter to get looks at nickel i think where i'm at now is why what would you say about having ivy and porter as your outside corners and using tyreek as your star
0: I, I mean, I'm all for I'm all for that. And um, I mean, I think the I just think you got to find a way to get to Corey couch off the field, too. Like, I don't think that that's necessarily it's cutting it either. Times. Yeah, And like, if you can get I think if Tyreek Stevenson can fill in there, I think that's I mean that's kind of what he did at Georgia, right? Like he was right. kind of more in that role. And he played early like he, he played early at Georgia in that role like that might be what he is, you know, like not saying that he can't play on the outside, but he's someone that just might be better suited to play, you know, the more of that nickel star role. Like, I think that's something that they should be comfortable experimenting with. I think maybe the one thing holding that back might have been that they weren't fully comfortable with Daryl Porter on the outside for whatever reason. I thought yeah. he was I thought he was good. You know, I think he, he's fine. I think, he, fine. Can, I think yeah. he can get the job done back there. I mean, on the outside, and I think if you can kind of get to that level of confidence where you're like, all right, we can play him on the outside. Tyreek is our best nickel. Like we need to kind of move him in there. I would be for that because I think that's something that could kind of help this defense take the next level. I feel like to Corey couch struggles to tackle at times just kind of gets bullied by guys that who who aren't even like that big, like Josh Downs. I feel like, yeah, like Josh Downs is not a big body dude feels like he just kind of bodied to Corey couch and, and make, yeah. made, made a couple big plays where to Corey couch ended up on the ground and like was trying to call for a push off. It's like, dude, not sure you got pushed off there. I think you just kind of got, you know, kind of, you know, what is it? You <laughs> kind of got boxed out and you are just not big enough to Fell kind down. of yeah. hold your hold your own there. So I think, uh, you know, having Tyreek Stevenson there, I, I think would be, would make a lot of sense, honestly. And I Tyreek
1: think. and Tyreek, we, we do have to monitor him because you know, he didn't play in the second half. Yeah. And it wasn't a benching. I think it was a concussion protocol type thing, honestly, because yeah. you watch that play. The Drake may play where he's throwing. He threw the ball up as Mesador's dangling from his leg and Josh Downs uh, cut the ball and ran in. So Tyreek goes for a kill shot on Josh Downs, misses that tackle. Uh, but as he's kind of, getting up to kind of chase after Josh. Uh, He gets need in the back of the helmet by a teammate that's running and pursuing Josh as well. So, you know, something to monitor this week. Hopefully he's okay with the protocol and all that, but really what we're advocating for if Tyreek is healthy, you know, that we talk about all the time about on the offensive line, you want to get your five best. It's that type of thinking where, you know, from a corner standpoint, you want to get your three best on the field. Um, And I think the three best would be Daryl, DJ on the outside, and Tyreek at star. So just my opinion. Um, But yeah, let's wrap it up there, Gabby. And I agree. I think overall, I'm encouraged that for one week, I think things are trending in the right direction. Um, there's still plenty to clean up. This team is still, you know, kind of above average, but I do think coming off that middle Tennessee state game, you know, I think there was concerns like what Miami team are we, are we going to see? Yeah. Um, they came out, they fought hard second half, I think was encouraging. Tyler Van Dyke looks to be back to the Tyler Van Dyke. We expected to see, um, And so, yeah, I mean, this coaching staff is finding answers slowly, but surely. And we got to be real about what the talent level of this team is. So, um, you know, I do think ceiling wise eight and four is on the table. I think seven and five is probably more likely. Yeah. The bottom line, I think we just need to see from this team is go out and maximize whatever the talent level of this team is go out and maximize it. And you know, a game like North Carolina was tough to watch. Um, but I do think you can see where, yeah, for the most part, Miami and North Carolina, maybe their talent levels are fairly equal. But North Carolina, you know, that Josh Downs play, that touchdown, that's a that's a playmaker making a play. Yep. Um, I said this in the in the instant reaction. Miami's got to acquire those level of playmakers moving forward, or yeah. they got to find them moving forward the rest of the season. But overall, re-watching the game, I was encouraged by the way Miami hung in there and performed in the second half., um, stinks they didn't win the win- they didn't win the game. Yeah, but I do think there is some development going on.
0: Yeah, I agree. Again, it felt winnable. It felt like it was very, very much within reach, Um, you know, but again, there are reasons to be encouraged. And yes, that's frustrating because, you know, it would have been a lot better to feel encouraged after a win. Um, But, you know, again, I think the, the, the schedule is gonna, I think it becomes a little bit more favorable here over the next few weeks. And hopefully, uh, you know, an opportunity to kind of get rolling a little bit with a, you know, going to Virginia tech, I think you come back to Duke and then who's after Duke. Is it Virginia after Virginia. that? Mm-hmm. And then you, and you kind of get ready for that, that Florida state. Yeah. You got to um, keep you know, building. Going yeah, into you got to, I think they got to win. They got to try to, you know, obviously win these next three, uh you know, get into Florida state riding, um you know, some sort of momentum and uh, that's obviously going to be an important guys
1: Get back healthy too. Yeah. Right then, you know, for sure.
0: So, And Florida State's, you know, kind of going through their own little rough patch right now. You know, they lost to Wake Forest. They lost a a tough one to NC State. They got Clemson this coming weekend and obviously not looking too far ahead. But I think by that point, that early November game is when you kind of I kind of want to see Miami, you know, sort of figure it out. You know, obviously, like hopefully working, trending more towards an eight and four team rather than a, um, you know, a a seven and five team. So uh, still a lot of football to be played and uh, we'll see what happens.
1: All right. Appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed this little rewatch of the game breakdown. And uh, until next time, take care.